Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club, a new podcast where we explore some of the world's best destinations through the stories and experiences of locals and people that have had meaningful adventures there. We may be stuck in quarantine because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but that doesn't mean that we can't explore the world. Join us, and no matter where you go, you'll always feel like a local. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Kata Brothers Travel Club. I'm your co-host, Jared Kata. And I'm your co-host, Brendan Kata. We're still stuck in COVID-19 quarantine, although across the country, things have kind of been opening up here and there. How has this last week been for you? Things have been good. Not too much has changed. You know, I kind of want to stay inside still to avoid the initial flood of people, but it is nice to uh, like see the world slowly like getting back into uh, the swing of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're still working from home. I think that the longer that that goes on, the harder it's going to be to go back into the office. Uh, have a sweet setup now, <laughs> uh, feeling a lot better. And I just ordered a new office chair, which will also become my podcasting chair. <laughs> but you're right, things are opening up more, uh, which is great. Uh, which got me thinking because I'm really looking forward to my first vacation after all this is done. But I had a question for you, Brendan, which came to me when we were uh, loading the car on the way to Georgia. Would you consider yourself an overpacker or an underpacker for trips? I wish I could say I was more efficient, but I'm definitely a pretty classic overpacker, I think. I'm not the type of person that brings things that I never use in my everyday life. My problem is more that I'm good at packing for day-to-day things, but then I get into thinking like, what if we swim? What if we swim twice? What if I want to work out? And I never work out, but I have like five days worth of like workout clothes. <laughs> and so that, that always gets into my head and makes me overpack. What about you? You're, you're really efficient. I feel like I'm an efficient packer, if not teetering on the end of underpacker. As you know, I have done multiple two-week trips with just a large backpack, both times in South America. I'm unusually comfortable re-wearing things in other countries. The only thing that I have to have clean for sure is my socks. Like They are 100% a one-wear only. Huh. Otherwise, I just like am terribly miserable and my feet are like kind of itchy. But other than that, like I'll wear the same shirt three days. Like, I always wear like my heavy stuff on the plane, like my, my boots or something, so that I can just stuff my bag uh, with the lighter stuff. Uh, and of course, like I said, it helps that when you go to places that are a little bit warmer weather. That is really impressive. You're, you're putting yourself at the risk of like being a stain away from most of your outfits not being usable. (laughs) I haven't had too bad of a stain on any clothes that it would completely wipe out that (laughs) t-shirt yet. But the reason, the other reason that I was thinking about that was, you know, the farther away you get from home, I think the more inclined people are to really pack a bunch of stuff. So even if you're away for five full days only, but you're on the other side of the earth, you're probably bringing a large suitcase or something. 
What is the longest flight you've ever been on, Bren? Because I think that where we're going on this episode would be for sure my longest flight. I think it would be for me too. The longest flight that I've done was in our most recent trip to Israel, going from Miami to Barcelona and then down into Tel Aviv, which with layovers included comes to about a 14-hour travel day. Yeah, that's a really long time. I think that my longest consistent flight was also to Israel, uh, and it was about 11 hours from New York to Tel Aviv. It's such a long time to just be like sitting in the same position. I know, but at least there's movies on planes now. (laughs) So anyways, like I said, those are very long flights, but I'm almost guaranteeing that this would be our very, very longest trip if we were to visit this destination. And where we're going on this episode is Taipei, Taiwan. Welcome to Taiwan. This small island off the coast of mainland China is a destination unlike any other, and boasts some of the region's most exciting experiences. It is often thought of as Asia's best-kept travel secret, but it is easy to see why interest in this nation is growing rapidly. Taiwan has a complicated past, stemming from its deep-seated conflict with the People's Republic of China. Fearing Communist Party oppression, the opposition forces in southern China fled to the island to escape the regime and establish a new democratic country. Taiwan is still precariously positioned right on the edge of China's gravitational pull, but it has not impeded Taiwan's incredible culture of innovation and global impact. The capital of Taiwan is Taipei. It is a modern metropolis fueled as much by futuristic innovation as it is by ancestral honor. Taipei culture seems to be a perfect balance of turbulence and serenity. If you love to eat, you are in the right place. Taipei is famous for the exciting night markets, these mini mazes of sizzling delicacies and traditional Taiwanese dishes attract throngs of hungry people every day. Pacing is everything because there is just so much to eat and explore. Contrary to the bustling night markets, sits Taipei's tea house culture, a soothing glimpse at ancient customs all revolving around fragrant teas with complex flavors. This meditative experience will center explorers as they make their way across the island. Just outside of Taipei City awaits a lush jungle full of natural wonders. The mountainous landscapes create impressive vistas and powerful rivers. As one climbs high into the clouds and views the island from above, it is easy to see why the people here love their country. Everything is touched by history, from colorful temples to the thriving culinary scene. Even the bamboo-inspired skyscraper, Taipei 101. Taiwan is proud of its past, and at the same time, never stops introducing travelers to new and undiscovered experiences. Taiwan sounds like an amazing destination. Uh, It is full of history, it is full of food, and it has just this beautiful natural setting. I 
didn't know how much I wanted to investigate this destination on the Cotta Brothers Travel Club until one of my good friends reached out and actually offered to be on the show. That's awesome that he's our first guest who actually contacted us with an interest in talking about a place that he's passionate about. Yeah, my friend Kevin, his family is Taiwanese. He has been there many, many times to visit grandparents and other loved ones. And so this will be one of those episodes where we're kind of looking at it from the perspective, not of necessarily somebody that is living there, but that has been there many times, has a a deep emotional connection to the destination. Um, And sometimes that's a great perspective to have when you're a traveler. So without further ado, here's our interview with Kevin. Let's get into this. Are you excited? Yeah, it's, uh, thanks for having me on. It's awesome. No, no, uh, you're, you're the first guest that actually reached out to us and, and offered to be on, on the podcast. And this is, this is something that we've been hoping for, though, as people kind of get familiar with the Cotta Brothers Travel Club, that maybe people would be interested in coming on. So would you, I've known you for a long time, and so I always forget to do this part when I interview my friends, but for the audience, can you introduce yourself and where you're living and the location that you're going to be talking about today? Sure. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm a Taiwanese American. Went to college with Jared in San Diego, and now I live in LA and I work as an attorney. And today we're going to be talking about Taiwan. Awesome. That's really cool. Now, ta- Taiwan is a is a big island. Is your family from a, a part of Taiwan, or do you, or from multiple parts? So my dad and my mom are from different parts of Taiwan. Uh, my dad is from Taipei, which is Taipei, which is in the north of Taiwan. And my mom is, in, is from Tainan, which is uh, in the south of Taiwan. And so, you know, ever since I've been going back to Taiwan as a kid, we would, you know, split the time between Taipei and Tainan to go see my grandparents and relatives on both sides. So I think that's a lot of my friends who are Taiwanese Americans, both of their parents are from Taipei because it's okay. the capital, it's the biggest city. My experience is kind of different because we always have to go to Tainan and people don't usually go down there. Um, a lot of people from the city, it's called the Boonies, but it's it's still the third biggest city in um, Taiwan, I think. Okay. So, <laughs> still got millions of people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. Most of my research was about Taipei. Uh, so some of the questions are going to probably be centric to, to the capital. But um, I, we also definitely want to hear about Tianan City. That's how you say it? Tianan? Tian- uh, Tainan, yeah. Tainan. Like T-A-I-N-A-N. Okay. Yeah. okay. And they're actually like on polar opposites of the island, right? Yeah, I think the distance between the two is like from SF to LA. But now that Taiwan has a high-speed rail, it takes probably like three, four hours to get there. So oh, it's not that long. That's really yeah. cool. That, that's a cool uh, travel tip. So let, let's introduce uh, the, the country a little bit more for people that are, are listening. A lot of people are probably not familiar with Taiwan. It is a really amazing place, but it also has somewhat of a conflicted past given its relationship with China. Can you explain sort of that piece of history, how it affects Taiwan, and maybe how it has affected your family? Um, sure. That's, that's a good question. Um, I think you're starting to see Taiwan on the news lately because of how they're handling COVID and their issues with the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of it has to do with their, with their history. So without getting into 
too much politics. Um, you know, Taiwan believes that they're its own country, own autonomous uh, country, and China believes that you know Taiwan is a province of China. Before the Communist Revolution, there was the um, KMT, which was the Nationalist Party of China, and they were trying to bring China together after the Japanese rule and try to unify China under this you know political party. And then they had a civil war between the Communist Party led by um, Mao Zedong. And then when they were losing, they fled to Taiwan, which already had its own Aboriginal population with people who have lived there for hundreds of years, um, as well as you know Chinese people from the you know Fujian province of China, which was just across the strait. They've been immigrating there since you know maybe 500 years ago. So they they already had a Taiwanese identity. And then when the Nationalist Party came over to Taiwan, they kind of took over the the country. They believe that they're the right and true government of um, China, but obviously the Communist Party is in power in China, and so that's been kind of the struggle ever since. And how that's kind of affected my family is when they immigrated to um, California, they you know they always had like a negative view of China and how their cultures are different. And you know, to my parents, you know, they're like Taiwan is better than China, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so. Growing up, that was kind of what I was taught. And then it wasn't until, you know, went to college, you know, met people from uh, mainland China. And then I actually studied abroad in Shanghai for a semester. And, you know, it's totally different than what my parents made it out to be. You know, everyone, people there are not like all super communist or super evil or whatever. But you have to travel, you know, to different places to kind of understand the people and the culture and not make judgments based on what people tell you, what you read on the news, right? And so my wife is actually from China and she's born in Shanghai. And so um, like, it's always funny. We always argue about China and Taiwan, but you know, we love both countries and we both travel to both places and enjoy it a lot. That's great. Very nice. That's, that's so funny that it's kind of come full circle from you uh, not understanding anything about mainland China to being married to somebody from Shanghai and, it's something that's in the house, but uh, doesn't seem to to affect anything negatively, and that's a that's a really beautiful story, full very full circle. So, but but obviously, when you go to Taiwan, that's a, probably a very special feeling because that's uh, where your family originated from. That's where you have extended family. So, Brendan has a question about that that first day when you touch down in the country. When you land that first day. In, in Taiwan, what are you excited to go do? How are you feeling on that day? So definitely the first, the first thoughts that come in my mind is, you know, you're on a plane for 14, 14 hours. And all I'm thinking about is the food I'm going to eat, I think. Taiwanese food is, is awesome. And it's very, uh, it's a huge food country and food culture. And so, you know, right when I step out of the airport, you know, there's, some things I want to eat, some places I want to hit up that I've been going to since I was a kid. And, you know, that's, that's in the forefront of my mind. Okay. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want to hear for a travel podcast, actually. <laughs> so that, that actually leads sure. us in, leads us in really nicely because you're excited about going and, and eating some of your, your favorite foods. One of the things that I have found in the, the research that I've done into Taipei and Taiwan is the the night markets are like 90% of all of the YouTube videos about the the country. Can you explain to the audience what a night market is? 
Sure. It's, it's basically, you know, you got, depending on the size of the night market, um, maybe hundreds of stalls um, of food, dessert. Sometimes there's games you can play. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a food market slash entertainment center all mixed into one. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is pretty touristy, but you also see locals go because the food there is really good. And it actually, how night market started was just basically a bunch of local um, vendors coming together to try to sell just like one, one thing that they make. So one stand will just make one thing really, really well. And then you go to that stand if you want um, like one type of food and then go to a different stand for a drink or fruits or whatever. And then slowly it became like this massive, you know, tourist attraction where now there's, you know, stalls you can buy like fake clothes, like fake designer brand clothes or, you know, real clothes, trinkets, all that stuff. You can get like massages and it's become kind of like what Taiwan is known for, I think, night markets. Okay. But you, so if, if they're kind of a touristy thing, but they, they still do have some excellent cuisine, is that right? Yeah, I think some of the, the night markets food that, you know, I've been eating um, since I've been going as a kid, you know, definitely some of the best. Tell me some of like the best uh, dishes that you can get there for you personally. Like what, what do you, what's the stand that you go to first? Um, I definitely, I definitely would try to get, there's this company that's called Oyster Pancakes or like Oyster Omelets. Wow. Um, it's, it's basically like an omelet with oysters in it and potato starch. And it, it sounds really weird. And they put this like sweet chili sauce on it, but it's my favorite Taiwanese food. It's so good. And even when I eat Taiwanese food here in LA, like I try to get that dish every time. Are there any other, uh, are there any other dishes that are like kind of so weird that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even eat them? Um, cause like a lot of people talk about like the, the like stinky tofu. And I know that there's like, <laughs> um, I would try everything I think, but is there something that's like, so, so unusual that you, uh, you maybe avoid? I, I actually, I'm like, whatever about stinky tofu. So that's like something, cause there's, there's two different ways they prepare it. You can get fried stinky tofu, which is like pretty good. Cause it's not that stinky, but when they, um, when they boil it, and then it's like soft stinky tofu. It's so dank. And like if one person eats it in like your general area, then everybody smells it. But it's one of those things where people who like to eat it think it's, you know, the most fragrant thing ever. It's kind of like durian, right? People, uh -huh. Some people think durian smells really good. But other people are just like, this is the grossest shit I've ever seen. A lot of people like blood sausage. Um, oh, I like blood sausage, actually. It, it, it tastes, it's like too much iron for me, I think. I don't, I don't really mess with blood sausage, but it's a fan favorite as well. Um, in terms of weird stuff, I, I feel like my standard for weirdness in terms of food is so different than because, you know, I'm Asian, Asian people, you know, we kind of eat whatever's in front of us as long as it's cooked well. <laughs> so like, and like different animal parts, like, you know, intestines and stuff, like maybe kind of weird for, people who've seen it for the first time, but you know, tastes pretty good. Yeah. Well, okay. So I kind of was focusing in on, on, uh, the night markets, but it sounds like you have some other locations. Can you name some of the locations that you would go to eat? I think it's tough to find for me, at least it's tough to find like restaurants specifically that are really okay. good because 
Um, it's it's such like a food food stand night market culture. Okay. And so, like, there's this really good fried chicken place at a Shuling Night Market, and it's just like a you know fried chicken stand. But I don't really know what the name is. I'm I just know where she is. Okay. Where she's posted up after all these years. Um, so it's kind of nice, which is kind of nice because you get to explore and eat all eat a bunch of different food. One of the most famous dishes in Taiwan is a beef noodle soup, and there's um, there's like three different kinds of beef noodle soup. Um, there's one type is called hong sao, which is basically you braise it in soy sauce. It's spicy. There's a like star anise flavor, and that's the most popular version. Um, the second kind there's like a tomato based version. It's a little sweeter and lighter, and then the third version is just um, just clear beef broth. So it's like a Korean comparison, but I don't, it's like chicken noodle soup, but like beef. And my, my favorite beef noodle soup place in Taipei is called um, Ling Dong Fang. And it's, it used to be this really small stand and then it became so popular. They, they like bought like a nice storefront. The menus have English on them now because they get so many tourists because it's, it's always on like Yelp and TripAdvisor, but it's really good. The broth is um, fragrant. And they have this jar of, um, it's kind of like meat paste. It's basically filled with, I think, like like beef lard and MSG. And then mm. you can like scoop it and put it in your soup to make it even more uh, like savory. Definitely recommend that if you guys ever go to Taiwan. Oh, we're, we're going. We're, we're, we're just like taking a list of all the people that we talk to and we're, uh, we're making sure we hit all of those locations, hopefully when they go as well. So to be fair, I feel like after... After COVID, Taiwan is probably one of the safer places to go. Sounds just like they, yeah, they they've like shut down the country pretty well, and I think they they basically reopened and they haven't had uh, any cases for like a week now. So, oh, that's awesome. I, yeah, I was telling uh, my wife maybe we got to go to Taiwan for a vacation because I don't know where else we could go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so food is definitely one part of any traveling experience, but the other really awesome part of any traveling experience is the drinks and the nightlife. So I'm going to let my brother kind of take that section and uh, and ask you a couple questions about the best places to uh, to get drunk. <laughs> uh, to start off a little bit broad, what would you say are your favorite neighborhoods to go out to get a drink, go out with some with some friends? At least in, in Taipei, the popular places are um, around Taipei 101. There's like, you know, massive complexes where there's bars and clubs at, and you kind of just hop from place to place. My drinking experience in Taiwan is kind of dated because when I went to like, go clubbing and stuff in Taiwan, it's probably a while ago. And like everyone would go to this one club called uh, Luxi, which is unfortunately it's closed now, but that's like the place where like everyone went half the people there were american born taiwanese people from mm -hmm. the from la or the bay drinking age is 18 in taiwan and so people would just go there before they can drink here um i think my favorite place to get drink is probably um there's literally 7-elevens at every corner in taipei and you can just go in and get a drink like pretty awesome they're like nothing like the 7-elevens you see here you can get you know, pretty good snacks, pretty good drinks. And you can, you can, I think, mail packages from 7-Eleven and they'll like <laughs> deliver it 
across the country to like another 7-Eleven that you can pick up. That's that's extremely unique. So that that's a good t- travel tip is definitely hit up the 7-Elevens in Taipei if you're a traveler. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Does Taipei have a a signature drink, something that you can find uh, at every bar in the city or Taiwan? I don't know. I think I think I think people in Taiwan really like uh, whiskey. There is a distillery called King Card Distillery. Um, it's not in Taipei. It's in a city called Ilan. It's in the east. They make a whiskey called Kabbalan, which has actually won, I think, the best whiskey award, I think, in 2017 or 20, 2016. I always try to buy some at the airports, and they're always sold out because it's it's been so popular. I think the taste is kind of like similar to Japanese whiskey, so a little lighter, more um, more ba- like not as heavy as like bourbon or whiskey. No, definitely. I do. Li- I like Japanese whiskey. Can you buy that at Seven Eleven? Um, I think so. You can get like those little like airport size ones. Nice. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not Kavalon, but maybe like some like plastic bottle version. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just out of curiosity, how's how's the beer scene in in Taiwan? I think it, I think it's getting pretty pretty big. Um, there's starting to be a lot more microbreweries. Uh, one of my friend's brother-in-law, I think, opened up a really popular um, brewery in Taiwan. Um, it's called I, I I forgot what it's called, like Tiger something, but I always see it on his Instagram and seems really popping. So I think before people would just drink, you know, your typical um, lagers. It's mm-hmm. called Taiwan beer. And, you know, it's just good to drink with, like, dinner. It's really light. People just, like, um, you know, chug it or pound it. And then I think slowly people are moving into microbreweries and more complicated beers. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. We'll have to get the name of the, uh, of your, sorry, what was the, uh, it, it was your, it's your friend. it's my friend's brother-in-law's. Yeah. We'll have to get the name of yeah. that so we can put it up on our website. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Also, I'm guessing that like the the night markets, they probably have like stands that are alcohol uh, related, right? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They give you like these little plastic cups, and they they you can buy beer and drink beer with your food. So that's my favorite when you like they give you like the tiny little plastic cups. Like when I was in Chile one time, I was at this this bar. We were just sitting out on the street on like plastic chairs and tables. And they like gave us like a liter of beer and just like some little like tiny plastic Dixie cups. And they're just like, all right, just pour it out as you see fit. Those are my favorite things. Definitely exactly what night markets are like plastic stools on on the side of the street or in like a basement with, you know, 20, 30 different vendors. And you just, you sit in a table with eight other, 10 other strangers and everyone's just eating their food, drinking their beer. That's beautiful. That's, that's a beautiful experience. All right, so we talked about the food. Uh, we, we moved into drinking. Always a great start to any trip. But then eventually we kind of want to see some of the attractions and, and some of the, the amazing things in the city or in the country. So for a first-time visitor, what would you say is a must-see attraction or site? Definitely, if you're in Taipei, check out Taipei 101. It's really interesting design, and it's it's a cool place to kind of you know spend your first day where you can kind of get your bearings and go to one of the tallest buildings in the world. And then if you start going outside of Taipei, there's a bunch of um, nature attractions. Like you can go to Joseon, which is a town in the mountains where uh, Spirited Away. It's based off 
Spirited Away was based off this town. Really? And it's yeah, it's just it's a bunch of steps and it's really pretty. And uh, if you look at pictures, it's a bunch of like lanterns and it's a cool experience. Um, wow. And then when you like move farther away from Taipei, there's uh, Sun Moon Lake. It's like a massive lake in the in central Taiwan. It's really beautiful, good hiking. Um, can go on the lake on a boat, um, drink tea, and just it's a really chill atmosphere. I've heard that the like tea culture there is is really strong. Uh, can you explain if that's true? First of all, and second of all, can you let us know like what it's like to what does it mean to the people there to to share tea? Um, yeah, sure. I think tea culture is super big in Taiwan. I think Taiwan makes some of the best um, oolong teas in the world. Um, there's a couple of mountains in Taiwan that are really famous for producing um, like really high quality tea. And so, um, you know, I think tea is something that people of all ages drink regularly and it's kind of a way to um, just sit down and not be on your, your phone scrolling through the internet and kind of just having a good conversation or just relaxing and enjoy each other's company. Super nice, especially in kind of the world we live in today where everything's so fast paced and quick. Just nice to sit down with friends or family and drink tea. Are there a lot of tea houses around the different cities or is that not something that, that you would find? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have your, it's kind of like coffee shops here in the States. Um, you know, you have your mom and pop coffee shops and you have, um, you know, these are Starbucks, kind of the same way with tea in Taiwan. There's a bunch of mom and pop tea shops. You can sit there and just relax, drink some tea. Um, but a lot of people drink um, like boba, like milk tea. That's really popular. Okay. And people, people just drink it on the go and they don't really sit down and enjoy it kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. So boba and everything that's, that came from Taiwan. One of Taiwan's most famous exports is boba. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our other brother loves boba tea. He drinks it all the time. I, I think I probably, it's so cheap in Taiwan. I probably drink like two a day if I can. And then nice. I'm just, it's just too much sugar, but it's so good there. <laughs> I, I think that you've kind of already covered some of this next question, but is there something off the beaten path in one of the two cities that you're familiar with that you highly recommend people checking out? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think if you just, take a trip outside of Taipei. There's really beautiful scenery and really beautiful um, places to go. Um, I think one place I haven't mentioned is it's called the Taroka Gorge. It's kind of like the Grand Canyon of Taiwan. It's um, beautiful scenic drive there and you can do a bunch of hikes and it's, it's, it's not the desert, like the Grand Canyon. It's, um, it's kind of like a, a gorge in the middle of a vast forest. And it's, it's really scenic and nice and definitely something I'd recommend checking out. Well, we were going to have this whole long part about all the national parks and the, and the forests and the, and the outdoors. So you, you beat us to the punch, but um, Brendan has more of a question that was kind of the basis for, for this podcast uh like the what inspired us to to make it so i'm going to let brendan ask this uh, kind of this final closing question the basis of this show was that we wanted to hear about people's travel stories in destinations that meant a lot to them can you tell us about your favorite night in taiwan 
uh, in either of the cities that you're you know very well? Um, <laughs> so Taipei 101 is like one of the tallest buildings in the world. You can see it for miles in Taipei, no matter like where you are. And so we would play this game where we would start off in one location in Taipei, where you can see Taipei 101, and then you have to walk to Taipei 101. And at every 7-Eleven you see, which is like probably like one every street, you have to go inside and get a drink and drink it. I, I started off with like hard liquor. And then, you know, towards the end, I was like, I got to start drinking beers or else it's going to be just bad news. So I kind of... <laughs> kind of worked my way down the alcohol spectrum. And so I think when we did it, it was, we were probably like 12, 13, 7, 11 deep. And we still weren't at Taipei 101. And we were just like, fuck it. We're too drunk. Like, let's just call it. Like we can't do this anymore. <laughs> Not a lot of people recommend bar hopping at 7, 11, but I like that. That's a, like a little travel tip for Taipei. You know, afterwards we decided, well, we're, we're already drunk. Let's, Let's go, let's go to the club. And so we went um, to that club Luxie I was talking about. And it was a good time. And part of the, the club culture, at least when I when I was there, and I noticed that the local Taiwanese people, you know, they usually had some sort of beef with the Taiwanese Americans because they always felt like, well, these, these people are coming back from America. They think they're better than us or whatever. And one of these guys that I was with, he was Taiwanese American and he's kind of like a more aggressive drunk person. And so someone bumped into him and he, you know, they kind of got start getting into it. And he just kind of looks at him, smiles and like gives him a little like slap. And then that pissed off the, the local guy. And then my other friend were like, dude, let's bounce. We, we got to go. And then left the bar and saw them following us. He keeps yelling at them, you know, cause he, he's a fighter, right? He's a super aggressive guy. We keep pushing him into the taxi. So I just like leave. Um, we see this guy come in and he's already super pissed. He like picks up a trash can and like throws it at our taxi. And I was like, holy shit, like what the fuck's going on? And then the taxi driver was like, dude, what the fuck? It was just one of those things where I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. Probably will never do this again. But, you know, I guess that's what traveling is all about, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100 percent. Especially the never do this again thing. Uh, oh, when's yeah, the next time? When's the next time you're going to be in Taiwan? Do you think, do you predict, or when would you want to go back? Um, I probably will try to go back sometime towards the end of this year, you know, COVID permitting, I think. We usually try to do an Asia trip, um, CC and I, when we try to split Shanghai and Taiwan, because we, we, you know, most of our family is back there, and it's just someplace we kind of want to keep in touch with and keep going back to that's super so important. You know. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're going to have to let the Cotter brothers know. Cause, uh, we have, we're adding it to the list right now. Maybe we'll make it a, a trip. Cause you know, we, we interviewed our friends from Singapore, our mutual friends. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's in the same region. We could probably get there as well. Yeah, definitely. We're trying to stay for free everywhere that we go from now on. <laughs> yeah. It's a good cause. That way you guys are doing this podcast. <laughs> That's one of the main, one of the main motivations. Yeah. Or that travel, travel channel will pick us up and, and start sending us. Oh uh, yeah. That's the dream, right? That's awesome. That's the dream. <laughs>
Anyways, this has been super fun. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us about a destination that is meaningful for you, uh, that is a place that I think that a lot of Americans haven't necessarily put on their on their travel list yet. But from everything that I've seen and everything that you've told me, Taiwan, Taipei, anywhere in the country is incredible. Beautiful nature, awesome food culture. There's literally nothing else that you could want in an adventure. So, uh, Bren, make it at the end of this year, Taipei 2020. Let's do it. All right. Kevin, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. All right, man. Talk to you later. Thank you so much, Kevin. It was such an honor to have you on to talk about a place that is uh, truly meaningful for you and your family. Brendan and I cannot wait to visit Taipei and the whole island uh, after we can get back on a flight. One of the things I took away from this interview and that I am actually, I'm actually really excited to experience when we visit Taiwan is um, trying out the, the very highly praised Cavalon whiskey. Kevin told us that it was similar to Japanese whiskey, which I'm actually a big fan of. And um, I'm excited to try a spirit that's outside of the normal, like, Scotch Irish whiskeys. I think that'll be cool. That sounded really good. We're both huge whiskey fans. The other thing that I wanted to do is shout out to Kevin's, I guess it was his brother-in-law, or, or a friend of his, at the very least a friend of his that owns a brewery in Taiwan. It's called Taihu Brewery. We'll have a link for that on our website when we do the city guide and the and the country guide. That sounds like a, a really cool uh, place to grab a drink. The beer scene is taking off in uh, Taiwan, and it's starting to catch up, it sounds like, with its culinary scene, which is epic. Yeah, that's incredible. I love places with a good craft beer scene. I know I'm not the first one to, like... You're so original. So I know. I, this isn't exactly an original thought, but at the very least, it gives you places like tasting rooms where you can go and just like sit and enjoy something made in the country. To me, that is best exemplified in those tea houses, which I would be oh, very curious to go experience and, uh, and just sit there and, and enjoy um, a cup of tea that is grown in the country. Brendan, what else about this episode stood out to you? What would you be most excited to experience? I think I'm most excited about the night markets. I just love that feel in any location, like the, the hustle and bustle of a public of a large public market. Um, that sounded interesting. The food sounded incredible. And I'm a little bit curious about all the 7-Elevens and how they could possibly be Truly, different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to see these 7-Elevens. <laughs> They're already a one-stop shop, so what more could they possibly have? I watched a video on YouTube, and one thing that I know they have that's better than the U.S. is they actually have beef noodle soup flavored Lay's. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. That sounds really good. Anyway, that's, that's enough about 7-Eleven. Uh, one thing that I'm really looking forward to is visiting Jafen, which was the inspiration for Spirited Away. Oh, yeah. All of the pictures that I see of that place are epic, uh, incredible views, lanterns lining this temple that sits on a cliff. It just seems like such a, a dreamlike destination. But honestly, all of Taipei, all of Taiwan, the whole country seems like an absolute dream experience and destination. I really hope that it's a place that we can get to pretty soon. And uh, we just want to say one more time, thank you to Kevin Lin for being on the Cotter Brothers Travel Club. We hope you will come back 
and talk to us about another destination. And we hope we will see you in Taiwan someday. Thank you for listening to the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're listening on Spotify. That way you can be notified when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cotta Bros underscore Travel Club. We're always looking for new content and everyone has a story worth telling. If you want to share something, email us at Club at gmail.com. No underscore on the email address. Finally, we know these are difficult times, but you're not alone. This podcast was our outlet, and so is the support of our friends and family that are helping us to make it. However, if you're feeling lost or depressed and don't have anyone to talk to, email us or DM us on social. Even if it's not about travel, we're still here to chat. If we all work together, we'll be back to adventuring soon. See you next time.